You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. Well, today we're going to look at a guy named Peter. And in his life, we're going to see him as one of the most amazing, awesome characters in the Bible. We love Peter because Peter always gets it right. Like the 10th time. <laughs> he never gets it right from the beginning. That's Peter. But you know what? We're all a lot like Peter. We can relate to him. And what we're going to see through his life is that God is perfect. People are imperfect. And God does perfect work through imperfect people. Well, how did Peter start off? He wasn't a ministry leader. He was a business leader. He had employees, assets, a payroll. There is uh, ample understanding that he may have had as a fisherman in a fishing business, maybe many locations around the Sea of Galilee. He was a very blue collar type guy. He was also married. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all give us the story of how Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Well, how many of you don't have a mother-in-law if you don't have a wife. And that's just how it works. Furthermore, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're told that Peter took along his believing wife on mission trips. So if you're married and both of you are Christians and doing some form of ministry together, from, at least from time to time, that's Peter's story. And he had a brother named Andrew. And Andrew is the one who introduces Peter to Jesus. You're doing the same ministry as Andrew if you invite a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor to church. Or you bring them to a church event or you buy them a Bible. They don't know the Lord. You do. So you're introducing them to the Lord. That's how Peter met Jesus. He was a part of a larger group of 12, the 12 disciples. But within that group, there were three key leaders. Peter was one of those, along with James and John. They had access to Jesus uh, unlike anyone else. For instance, it was those three, Peter, James, and John, who were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus' inside became outside And the glory shone all around him. And Moses and Elijah appeared speaking to Jesus. Peter was there. Peter was also one of those there with Jesus, one of the very few. When Jesus healed a little girl and almost everyone else was taken out of the room. So Peter had privileged access to the life and ministry of Jesus more so than anyone else. And here's what else we know about Peter. He's passionate. He's got a big personality. And he just says whatever he's thinking. He's got an external voice. He doesn't have an internal voice. And and what we're going to do today is take an overview and, and look at the life of Peter and his relationship with Jesus because there's so much about him that we're just like him. We're going to start in John chapter 13. Now, those of you, if you've not been tracking with us, we've been looking at the gospel of John all year. We are in chapter 18, so why am I telling us we're going back to 13? 
just because. So you just pay attention. You listen and you, you obey. <laughs> We're going back to John chapter 13. And this is what we discover. Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. So we're going to go back a few weeks. Remember, from John 13 forward, this is the final week of Jesus Christ as he's preparing to die on the cross for our sins. And here's what we read in chapter 13. Simon Peter asked him, asked Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus had just talked about dying on the cross and rising as our Savior. Where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. What Jesus is saying is, I'm going to the cross to substitute myself to die for sin, and afterwards, I'm going to heaven. Peter, you cannot go to the cross with me. I don't need your help to forgive the sin of the world. I've got this. But afterward, when I go to heaven, you can follow me there. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Peter's like, Jesus, I'm the best guy you've got. Come on, count on me. I'm going to be there for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Peter, I didn't come so you could die for me and my sin. I came to die for you and your sin. You've got this upside down, Peter. I appreciate your zeal, but you're off course. Jesus says, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. This is Jesus prophesying, predicting Peter's future. Peter's saying, I'm solid. You can depend upon me. And Jesus is saying, actually, no, you're not. You're going to deny me three times. And then you're going to remember that I told you so. When you hear the rooster crow. So this is going to happen early in the morning. Sometimes we think we know ourselves better than anyone else. God knows you better than you know you. So now we are going to jump back into John chapter 18 where we left off last week. And we see Peter fail Jesus. This is verse 15. Simon Peter... And another disciple, which we uh, can assume that's John, the author of this gospel, were following Jesus. In other words, they believed in Jesus, but more than that, they were following Jesus. They wanted to build on a relationship with him. They wanted to live out their faith. That's what it means to follow Jesus. The context is that Jesus has been arrested. Now, this is crazy. God shows up on earth and we arrest him. God shows up and we say, you're different than us. There must be something wrong with you. But this disciple was known to the high priest. He went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter, next verse, had to wait outside the door 
The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. Verse 17, you aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? He asked Peter. He replied, I am not. I don't know who you're talking about. How many of you have ever denied knowing Jesus? How many of your friends don't know you're in church right now? How many of your family members don't know that you're a Christian? How many times do you not put it out there on social media? Peter says, I'm not. Well, it was cold. The servants and the officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter was also standing with them, warming himself. Now, let me say a few things about Peter. Peter fails, but at least Peter is there. Peter tries and fails, but at least Peter tries. Earlier in the book, there was a story about the disciples out fishing. Jesus wasn't with them. Jesus comes walking to them on the water. Peter sees him, and what does Peter decide? Lord, I want to walk on water too. At Jesus' invitation, Peter steps out of the boat. And as long as he's looking at Jesus, Peter is walking on the water. And then he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he realizes, I'm walking on water. <laughs> and he begins to sink. Jesus saves him and says, ye of little faith. At least he had some faith. Where were the others? Still hanging out the boat, not risking their faith. Peter has a little faith, but God can at least work with and multiply even a little faith. So here we see the contrast between Peter and Jesus. Jesus is inside being interrogated. Jesus declares he is God. And at this moment, Peter denies that Jesus is his God. Part of the deal is how each of them, Jesus and Peter, prepared for this moment. For Jesus, we recently finished John chapter 17. What was that all about? It was Jesus's longest recorded prayer in the Bible. It took us four weeks to go through it. On the verge of this test, Jesus was up all night praying because even after this prayer that he prayed there aloud in front of his disciples, Jesus and the 11 disciples, 11 because Judas had already gone to betray Jesus, Jesus and the 11 disciples moved to the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus does what? He prays more. He knew what was about to happen. He was connecting with the Father. Peter should have known something of what was about to occur because Jesus told him before daybreak, you will deny me three times. While Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, what is Peter doing? He and the rest of the disciples are sleeping. In this moment, Jesus was ready because he was prayed up. Peter was not ready because he was not prayed up. 
The point is this. Sometimes God will ask you to pray. He will invite you to pray. And you think, you know what? There's nothing really urgent. I've got something to do that's a little more pressing. So Peter denies and fails. Skip ahead a few verses to John 18, verse 25. Remember, Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. He has done it just once. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself. So they asked him, you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? You know, you really look like one of those guys who was with Jesus. Are you sure you're not one of his guys? Peter denied it saying, I am not. Next verse, one of the high priest's servants a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off challenged him. Now, this gets, this gets a little odd. It's like, you know, when we arrested Jesus, my cousin Malchus was standing there, and some crazy Galilean fisherman took out his sword and cut off his ear. You kind of look like that guy. So last week, we read this part of the story. Jesus and the 11 are in the Garden of Gethsemane when Judas the betrayer, the one Satan has filled, shows up with a detachment of Roman soldiers and religious leaders in the middle of the night. They arrive, and Peter is the guy who says, I've got this. So Peter is going to take on, not a smart move, perhaps hundreds of trained, elite, armed soldiers, and he goes after Malchus, the slave, and he gets his ear. And the other gospels complete this part of the story, and they tell us that Jesus picked up Malchus's ear and put it back on. So Malchus's relative now steps forward is pretty sure Peter is that guy. How many of you have ever told a lie and to cover it up, you tell more lies? <laughs> it's all of us, right? Next verses. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him, didn't I see you with him in the garden? And again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Let me say this. Before the Bible declares the truth about your future, as you belong to Jesus and what the future holds for you, before the Bible declares that truth, it shows you the truth of you. So you can say, I've got a problem. I've got a sin problem. I need a Savior. So let me ask you a couple of questions so that we can not just look at this story and say, man, Peter blew it. Number one, what sin has gotten easier for you because you've done it a few times? Peter's sin is denying Jesus. He did it once. It got a lot easier to do the second time and the third time. And it's not that he didn't know what he was doing. So it gets easier the more you do it. What sin in your life has gotten easier because you've done it a few times? Number two, 
at what cost do you stop following Jesus? At this point, Peter is still a believer. He's just not a follower. He's looking at this situation and he's saying, I don't like the price I'm going to have to keep paying if I keep walking with Jesus. Jesus is walking into his arrest. Jesus is going to walk into a scourging. Jesus is going to walk to the cross. He is going to walk to his death. Yeah, I'm not following him there. I could lose my money. I could lose my job. I could lose my reputation. I could lose my life. At what point, at what cost do you stop following Jesus? Some of you still believe in him, but you're not reading your Bible. You're not praying. You're not going to church. You've stopped. You may say, I believe in Jesus, but you stopped following him. Peter still believed, but he's not following. That's the problem. And number three, what does fear of man look like for you? Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man is a trap or a snare. So the fear of man is the opposite of the fear of God. Proverbs 1 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Do we live by faith in God or do we live by fear of man? See, Peter here is asked to live by faith in his God but he has fear of man issues. He's afraid of arrest. He's afraid of harm. He's afraid of death. He's afraid of consequences. Who or what are you afraid of? They could hurt me, reject me, criticize me, make fun of me, disown me. I'm afraid of the price of belonging to Jesus. In this moment, Peter had to decide, I live by faith in him or by fear of them. And let's be honest, we've all been there, right? There are certain times when you're like, I should tell that person about Jesus. <laughs> nah. I should invite them to church. Ah, that's going to be awkward. You and I need to decide if we're going to be primarily driven by fear or primarily driven by faith. If you're primarily driven by fear, you will never live the life God intends for you because that's a life that requires faith. And this is Peter's struggle. And thus far, he's not done well. Jesus then dies on the cross in our place, including Peter's place for his sin Peter has failed him. He didn't pray for Jesus the night that Jesus was preparing for his arrest. He didn't participate by following and encouraging. Peter is the prototypical example of a failure of a friend. And Jesus dies. Well, the next event we want to jump to, and it won't be on the screen... It's from John chapter 20. I'm just going to hit it briefly. Because B Peter regrets. He has remorse. And this is the difference, by the way, between Peter and Judas. We talked about that uh, last week a little bit. Both of them have failed Jesus. Peter really did love Jesus, where Judas never did. 
Judas betrayed Jesus and never tried to come back to Jesus. Peter denies Jesus and he wants to come back. Here's what you need to know. We're all going to blow it. The difference between Judas and Peter is whether or not you want to make your way back to Jesus. So Jesus dies. He's buried. Sunday comes. It's the day of resurrection. Word gets out that the tomb is empty. Jesus is gone. The report is given by the women. The women are the first on the scene of the empty tomb of the resurrected Jesus, which gives dignity to all women. They were more attentive than sometimes the disciples themselves to Jesus. Word goes out. And Peter and John are running together. The tomb is empty. Does Peter have a sense of urgency? Absolutely he does. How many of you have stopped following Jesus? You stopped reading your Bible. You stopped praying. You stopped going to church. And one day the Lord tugs on your heart. I got to get back to Jesus. Peter is running. He wants to get to Jesus. Is Jesus there? No. But in chapter 21, Peter does eventually return to Jesus. And Jesus absolutely welcomes Peter. Not only just welcomes him, but welcomes him back into ministry. And after Jesus' ascension, Peter is so engaged in ministry. He is absolutely following Jesus, not just believing, he is following. What does that mean? Jesus didn't fail Peter. Peter failed Jesus, but Jesus did not fail Peter. And let me be clear. You and I, we will fail him. But Jesus doesn't fail you. He never will. This is the hope of the Christian life. Every other religion basically says, if you can earn it, God will love you. And Christianity says, that will never happen. You can never earn it. How about if Jesus gets all the relational work done, he loves you. And he draws you to himself so that you can love him. That's what he wants. He wants a relationship with you. He wants this to be personal. Not just a belief, yeah, I know about Jesus. I've got facts in my, in my head. He wants that to move down to the heart. So that you believe that he died on the cross in your place for your sins and that he is no longer dead. But he is a risen, reigning Lord over everything, over everyone, in every time and place, past, present, and future. And if you've never done that before, he wants you to step into that 
Step into a future with him that you belong to him so that he can take away your past, your shame, your guilt, all the things that have enslaved you to sin. Now, that's not to say that you're going to be perfect once I, okay, I'll, I'll take Jesus so I can be perfect. But he will make you whole. He will make you clean. He will make you forgiven. Ask him in. All you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I need you. I will fail you, and I, will, I have, and I will continue to like Peter, but also see what you did in Peter's life. And I know you can use me. And I guarantee you, he, God will answer that prayer. The Lord Jesus will take up residence in your life, and the Holy Spirit will be your guide from here on. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.